0: today I'd like to speak about the Mount of Transfiguration that experience and I'm calling this down from the mountaintop I'm reading from Mark chapter 9 and verse 2 where it says that Jesus took Peter James and John with him up onto a mountaintop to pray as Jesus was praying, he was transfigured before them. This is about mountaintop prayer. They all saw his transfigured appearance. His face began to shine and his clothes became dazzling white and blazed with light. Then two men appeared and began talking with him, Moses and Elijah. They were splendid in appearance, glorious to see. And they were speaking of his death at Jerusalem to be carried out in accordance with God's plan. As Moses and Elijah were starting to leave, Peter, all confused and not even knowing what he was saying, blurted out, Master, this is wonderful. We'll put up three tents, one for you and one for Moses, And one for Elijah word for tents is the same as the word for tabernacles but even as he was saying this a bright cloud formed above them and they were in awe as it covered them and a voice from the cloud said this is my beloved son listen to him then as the voice died away Jesus was there alone with his disciples he told them not to tell anyone what they had seen until after his resurrection from the dead, but they did not understand what he meant. I'll call this the greatest show on earth. The account of the transfiguration of Jesus on the top of a mountain as he's praying depicts what could be called the most spectacular phenomenon to be described in the Bible. It was a time and a place where heaven was seen to touch the earth, where Jesus shone in glory as a kind of preview of his glorified, heavenly, resurrected self in the presence of the heavenly forms of Moses and Elijah. Imagine a human being being allowed to see such a phenomenon. The heavenly Moses represented the law and commandments which speaks of God's wisdom to his people, while the heavenly prophet Elijah speaks of God's word of purpose for his people. This is also an astonishing historical record of an event that confirms for all of us as believers the truth of the word incarnation which means the joining of the being of God with the being of humanity in the person of the glorified Jesus Christ. To those standing by, it affirmed that Jesus was from heaven and that he was known by the prophet Elijah and by the lawgiver Moses as the one who was the destined Lord and King of heaven and earth. Absolute proof. If ever any Jewish person were to take seriously this magnificent occurrence as an historical account, which it is, seeing Israel's holy prophet Elijah and their revered lawgiver, Moses, speaking with the glorified Jesus as their promised Messiah, they would fall on the ground and worship him as God. And I believe they all will in time. This gospel is recounted in matthew and mark and luke the same account of this story let's just have a look at the background story just before this happened while jesus was preaching i had the disciples with him before he went up the mountain he'd been teaching his disciples about his going to the cross and dying and being raised up again which was difficult for them to receive in fact, in one of the Gospels, it speaks about Peter saying that no, this is not going to happen to you. And he challenged them also about following him. And that only by losing their lives would they save their lives. These are all difficult sayings. And the final thing that he said in those teachings was a remarkable statement. And it's in Mark chapter 9, verse 1. And he said... There are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of god come with power the simple truth of that statement and what does that mean it means that after the resurrection and ascension of jesus and the sending of the holy spirit the kingdom age was about to arrive on the earth and then would begin The time for people to see the kingdom of God and to live in its power. The age of the kingdom came when Jesus ascended into heaven and sent the Holy Spirit. And we're part of that. As Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless a person be born from above, they can't see the kingdom. They can't enter in. And that's what he was talking about. And the apostle Peter was one of those people who would not taste death, of course. He was one of them, till he had seen the age of the new kingdom and to enter into it. And he also writes about witnessing the mountaintop transfiguration in the scriptures. And I'll read from Second Peter chapter one, verse ten. For we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was spoken to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice spoken from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. So that mountaintop reality was the portrayal of everything Israel was. It sundered up all the glory, the completeness for what Israel was destined for, to have Jesus there with the law and the prophets, the priest and the king. <laughs> there he was. But it was now to become the vision of humanity's spiritual future in living a here and now kingdom of heaven life on the earth and I believe that we can enter into a mount of transfiguration experience simply by faith and it's about prayer so now we're living in that kingdom age of God and we're experiencing it through our faith but Luke writes an epilogue to the mountaintop event where he shares in the next verse about what happened when they came down from the mountain. So that's why i'm calling this today down from the mountaintop in luke 9 verse 37 the next day as they descended from the mountain a huge crowd met him and a man in the crowd called out to him teacher this boy here is my only son and a spirit has seized him luke is telling us that the next thing after the mountaintop experience was now the kingdom work for jesus to do on the ground he can't stay there. A life, of getting in amongst the spiritual chaos and disorder of the world around him, bringing love and wholeness into the physical and emotional pain of the people. The same kind of kingdom activity was waiting for the disciples to enter into. And the same kind of kingdom activity is waiting for us to enter into as well. See, Peter wanted to stay there. There's work to be done but there's a mountaintop to reach, and there's a climb to get there. We're going to have a look now at the the Jesus model of mountaintop prayer. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he modelled this kind of prayer to them, of exercising mountaintop prayer. That was always a place where heaven touched earth in a very personal way for Jesus a time of inner transformation we can say inner transfiguration it's the same word in the Greek where the human heart of Jesus would hold the glory of God within himself whenever Jesus went up onto a mountaintop to pray and he'd mostly go alone to be with his father there were three stages he would have to process that was going up to the mountain climbing the mountain and leaving the earth behind. That was his stage one. The second stage was being on the mountain in the presence of his father. The third stage was coming back down the mountain and engaging with the challenges of life below. That's the story of our lives. That's our daily story. That's the only way we can actually enter, receive, And give. Jesus said to them, Follow me. He's also saying the same to us in the modelling of mountaintop prayer. Now, the discipline of this personal devotional kind of prayer is still a discipline that we need to have a willingness to attend to. It's not just automatic. We would tend to just stay on the ground and say, Can I have a bit of help from up there, please? And be efficient, be faithful. All good things. So it's a discipline that we can attend to. But by following the guidelines in the approach that Jesus shows us, it turns prayer into a rest and a refuge for our souls. Rather than a struggle that can weary our souls. So the first stage of climbing the mountain is our willingness to take the trek towards the mountaintop The beginning of the day is a good time to say, I think I'll get to the mountain as soon as I can this morning. (laughs) But we're going towards the mountaintop, but we're still carrying the struggles of earthly things. But we want to reach a higher place of being with God. It's as though we've put all our earthly burdens into a backpack and we're now going to lug that up a mountain. And when we get to the top, We'll place whatever we carried in our backpacks into his hands as an act of surrender. Our minds will then be set upon him and not upon the problems. On the way up the mountain, we're going through the problems. We're thinking of what's in that backpack. I better not forget this. I've got to give that to... Oh, that's right. And there was last Wednesday, wasn't there? Yep. But that's on the way up. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, it says, Set your minds on the things above and not on the things of the earth. But as you're going up the mountain, you're very aware that you're carrying a backpack with things of the earth. That's okay, because you're going somewhere. You're taking that stuff somewhere. And the more often our soul does that trek, the easier it gets because we're exercising our souls into a more confident hope as we surrender those burdens to the Lord we get used to the idea of surrendering these things we know what it means to unload those we know what it means to have to climb a mountain as well but that's the labouring to enter into that rest of faith and we know that he hears our surrendered prayer we also know that he knows what's in our backpack before we even unloaded. it. It's the surrender that delights in. That's what delights in. And it is the surrender that is our faith. That's the kind of church that I believe the Lord delights in. Paul was able to say, when I am weak, then I know I'm strong because the power of Christ can rest upon me. But it seems like for centuries, the church has kind of had this slogan When we're strong we know we are strong and we can get done any kind of thing that we can plan and the church can think that this is the way to release Jesus into the earth but it's not about the power of politics or the power of man it's about the power of God and our surrender to that that's what delights the Lord and that is our faith The second stage is completed by being on the mountaintop with the heavenly Jesus as our brother and sharing time with our father as his child. That's our mountaintop experience and we begin to get our souls transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we have Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit and the Bible says that The Holy Spirit transforms us, and that word, metamorpho, is the same as transfigure. So we have our own transfiguration. We're now allowing our surrendered heart to receive from God. We start to receive kingdom of heaven life from him. Can't get it from anywhere else. And it's there. It was there on the mountaintop. It was on full display, once ever in history, in that form. But it was for us and it is for us every day. This is where the love and the mercy of God captures our heart and the wisdom of God orders our mind and the purpose of God directs our way forward. They were represented in the actual transfiguration as the commandments of Moses, which was all the wisdom of God The prophetic ministry of elijah which was all of the sense of direction and purpose of god but we have the holy spirit doing that for us and this is where the apostle peter wanted to build three tabernacles for jesus and moses and elijah just to stay there and not come back down that'd be lovely to do but there has to be a coming down from the mountain and the third stage is coming down the mountain and finding faith to do the work of God in our simple, everyday faithfulness to whatever task or whatever relational occasion presents itself. The work is always waiting to be done. This is where we can allow his heavenly life and love to bring words and deeds of meaning into the lives of those around us. I know it will be lovely For people to have their prayers answered if they say, Lord, I just want a ministry of power. I just want to be able to demonstrate your power. And God says, well, there's a few very simple things that you can do in your everyday life if you just knew the power that I wanted to release from your surrendered heart in it. It comes from me, he says. He loves our surrendered heart and we can rest in hope and faith knowing that he's in charge And he will do the wonderful supernatural work. He will do it. And that will be surprising. Now, I'm just going to finish by talking about a recollection process. So if we start each day with a mountaintop time with Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit, we can have times of recollection of this graceful time of rest and refuge throughout the day. It's good for our souls to be able to, for short periods of time, just recollect what happened in your mountaintop experience. Now, nothing has to happen on the mountaintop experience. It's not a matter of making things happen. It's simply a matter of being there receiving the kingdom life. And when we're in a receptive mood, there's a lot that God wants to place in our heart. He may not place words of revelation there, or direction or guidance for what to do. The moment you get back down on the ground, but there will be things waiting for you to do that might be surprising, might be very ordinary, but there will be a sense of being in tune with what it is that he now would have you do, how to respond, because you've been with him. So we recommit our surrendered prayer, because we've had prayers too. We put them with God and say, oh, I remember now, I prayed for that, and now I don't want to forget you're at work on that, so I don't put it back in the backpack. When I say I want not put it back in the backpack, from personal experience, I find that the next day it finds its way into the backpack anyway sometimes. And I've got to lug it up again. But that's OK, as long as it goes to the right place and it finally stays there. But if we can recommit our surrendered prayer, we can maintain the flow of this kingdom purpose within our hearts. And you know what? It need only take a minute of time through the day. Uh, This is not some kind of formula, but I've found that a minute is a very long time if you really know what you're going to do with it. And it can be as simply as 20 seconds of reviewing the backpack journey. What are the things that... It doesn't have to be 20 seconds, but I'm saying that a minute is a long time. And then the next 20 seconds can be, oh, I'm just... Forget about that now. I'm receiving transforming grace now. I know it's happening because that's what God wants to do. And then 20 seconds preparing to re-enter the busy world while carrying not a backpack of problems, but his presence. We just say, I'm now carrying your presence. Things will happen around us in the will of God that we could never have organised to happen by our own planning. You might say, but they were going to happen anyway. Yeah, but they could have happened and passed by and you wouldn't have seen God in it unless you were in it. So who qualifies for this kind of privilege? Well, when I asked that question, I found the answer was a simple prayer. It's a prayer to the Lord, and I'm going to pray it, and I pray it fairly confidently. Dear Lord, I wish to see your kingdom reality this day and to have entrance into your kingdom activity. I believe I am qualified for this because I am an imperfect human being that you died for and rose again for, and who is in constant need of your mercy. There has to be mercy, because if I said, I am so confident of my inner goodness that you will unfold to me your kingdom plan, then I'd actually be kidding myself to the point where I'd be putting myself about three kilometres away from the Lord <laughs> instead of closely coming in and feeling, I need your mercy, Lord. I don't know if, if, if I'm qualified. And he says, well, you're qualified if you know that you, your humanity doesn't earn it for you, but it earns it for me because I died for you in the person of Jesus. I didn't expect you to be able to get a hold of kingdom things in your own strength. All right, I'm interrupting my own prayer. I'm qualified for this as I am an imperfect human being that you died for and rose again for and who is in constant need of your mercy. I delight to do your will, O Lord, but I need your help. I need the empowering grace of your Holy Spirit to do that. Thank you for hearing this prayer and attending to my cry at this very moment. I now surrender this day to you, your beloved child, kiss, hug. Amen. See you on the mountain.